Hey, happy Thursday, everybody. Rich Birch here from the Unseminary Podcast. Listen, are you out of seats? Maybe your kids' area is overflowing, or, or maybe you don't have enough parking you need. Maybe your facility was designed 20, 30, 40 years ago, and frankly, it's just tired. Maybe you're portable and you're looking to move into your first facility. What is the facility lid that is preventing your church from living out its vision? Listen, you, uh, this is the year for you to solve these issues. Whatever you do, I don't want you to call that architect in town. I want you to call the team over at Rise Point. They have actual on-staff church ministry experience as well as fully licensed architects that work for them. They want to sit down with you and understand your unique ministry and then offer you creative solutions uh, that they that they've learned from other growing churches. Listen, what you need to do is go over to risepoint, that's with an e.com, risepoint.com forward slash 360 and you'll get a free 360 evaluation. This amazing tool will help you understand how you can better leverage your existing square footage and give you some real options for potential projects. Listen, that's risepointwithane.com forward slash 360. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. Today's episode is something that I think a lot of church leaders are struggling with, but they may not talk to their ministry friends about it. And so I'm excited uh, to have Ben Kacharis with us. He is the lead pastor at Mountain Christian Church, an incredible church founded in 1824. I think this might be our oldest church that we've had on the show so far, which is great. Uh, currently four campuses in the Maryland area, launching a fifth coming up soon. Uh, ben, so glad to have you on the show today. Hey, Rich. Great to be with you, really. Yeah, this is a, a great topic, and I'm really excited to uh, to dive in. But before we get there, why don't you tell us a little bit about the church? If people were to come to Mountain this weekend, what would they experience? What's that look like? Maybe a little bit of the history, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's, it is interesting. Mountain's an old church, as you said, 1824, so we're coming up on 200 years, believe it or not. But it doesn't feel that way when you walk in. We've had kind of a rebirth and a resurgence and a lot of growth in the last... 25, 30 years. And uh, so we're, we're a multi-site church, multi-ethnic, really working on that piece and um, have a couple of community centers as part of our campuses, which is a really cool dynamic that we, we love to, to kind of make what we're doing super holistic. That's worked really well for us in our setting. And um, yeah, it's going real well. We're, we, we run about 6,500 and, and are just in enjoying being up here in the Northeast. Uh, never thought I, I'm from Minnesota originally, so I never thought I'd be up in this neck of the woods, but God, God <laughs> kind of jerked us up here 22, 23 years ago. And it's just been an amazing journey and really it's fun to be part of. Yeah, it's very cool. That's uh, that's that's really amazing. Uh, there's so much there to talk about the multicultural, multi-ethnic issue, the you know the campus expansion, lots there. But particularly, you and I talked ahead of time a little bit, connected ahead of time, uh, about this whole issue of the kind of elder staff relationship. How do we create healthy elder teams? What does that look like? Why don't we start um, with you know kind of that whole topic when you think about this. Uh, this area of elder development, maybe give us a sense of what's, uh, first of all, what's happening at Mountain, and then some of the lessons that you've learned on this this front. Yeah. Um, wow. I, it is a huge topic. You know, like you, Rich, I get to get to be with other leaders and in the room with other pastors uh, a good bit here and there around the country. And it seems like this is often uh, something that comes up um, just 
as a burden and a sort of like, well, I could do this thing with our mission. I could do this with our church, but I can't because, and it, I just, I, it breaks my heart when I hear how many struggle with, um, kind of an antagonistic relationship with elders. Uh, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, we just can't get our guys to get fired up or they're always putting the brakes on or uh, they don't believe in me or we're going different directions. And I know it's a two side, you know, it's two sides to that story. You know, I have my brother is an elder in his church and my dad was an elder for a long time. And I have a lot of friends who are elders and I hear some of them like, you know, it's like he comes up with a new idea every month and we can't keep him on task and he can't administrate <laughs> himself out of a paper sack, you know, and you know, he doesn't visit, right. you know, the elderly, whatever's, you know, so, you know, we get this thing going and it's just, it's a heartbreaking thing thing when you know you get this idea in scripture when when Paul and others are kind of talking about let's get some overseers in there I don't think that's what they had in mind they were they were dreaming of some a team that would come together and function alongside whoever is in the trenches leading on the daily basis and and you know by God's grace we've we've not always had an awesome uh, kind of rapport and relationship um, at mountain uh, there's been some st- you know, some struggle bus uh, eras. Uh, but I'll tell you, um, I, I'm just so grateful to be able to be an advocate for this topic, Rich, because we have fought mm-hmm. through some stuff and, and have, it is possible. And I see healthy churches with healthy elder teams with great relationships with their lead guy and others. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, you know, I just think it's so, so important because missions at stake and also the health, the health yeah, of the pastors yeah. at stake. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, people say, how you doing? And it's like, honestly, I don't think I'm unique in this. If I'm good with our elders, we're on the same page and moving the same direction. I know they're for me and we're together. And I'm good with like one or two key staff, like in our case, that's executive staff. And I'm good with my wife. If I'm good with those three it doesn't matter. You know what? I can stink it up and, you know, I get a nasty email and, you know, tendons goes down. I'm still okay and sleep really well at night. And, and, and the reverse is true. You know what? If you get, you know, uh, you, you know, it doesn't matter. Everything's grown. You're up and to the right. And, you know, you get a magazine article about you, whatever, and you think everything's awesome, but you're not good with your elders or, or you're oh, somehow so not good at home or with a couple of key leaders, man, it just, everything stinks. So this is so important. And I, I, we have a fond saying at mountain, you know, that the church can rise no higher than its leaders. And, and Mm. so I guess if you want me to keep rambling on this, I certainly will. Well, I, you know, there's, I'd love to start with maybe the profile of an elder. So when you think of the kind of people that you've seen land really well in this role that are kind of working the best for you at Mountain, there's probably a few things that run through your head that are kind of a, a, the profile of what you're looking for. What, what is it? What do you think of? What are some of the the kind of signposts in their, in their yeah, lives? Yeah, that's a great question. And just to back up one notch, you know, the, you, you got to have a theology of of uh, everyone has some kind of theology of eldership. Like, is it that important or not? Um, you know, are we rigid on when we go to these biblical descriptions? Do we think those are checklists or do we think they're descriptions of the kind of people we're looking for? If they're important, why do we think they're important? So for us, I have a high view of eldership and let's just be frank. There's some, Mm -hmm. you know, some, I see it in church planning. I see it in large churches where it's like, frankly, we just really want to get, you know, want to get some dudes in here so I can say I have them, but they really won't get in my way. And I can kind of, I can kind of just get this thing done. 
and I need some rubber yeah. stamps here that look good. So, uh, you know, oh, that's not our view. And uh, when I say a high view of eldership, mm-hmm. then just someone who truly um, has the mission of the church at stake. And, and that's the other backup statement to make is this conversation doesn't matter to me so much if you don't have like a super clear and compelling mission of your church. Because if if we're kind of like inward focused and, and you know, business as usual, then it doesn't matter who you get and the qualifications don't matter. But if you have, you're trying to reach lost people, you're trying to make mature disciples out of the ones you have, you're, you're going somewhere and doing something, then then by golly, um, then it matters. So for us, you know, we, we love those lists in scripture, um, but it just kind of boils mm-hmm. down. We actually have kind of spelled out a, a thing we call expectations and it was written by the elders for the elders. And it just lists some of the basic mm-hmm. things that you might expect, but character, you know, is a person who's trusted, mm-hmm. like, like people, mm-hmm. people look at them and they, 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 this is a rock solid, unquestioned commitment to God and this church kind of person. Chemistry, people like him. I mean, we overlook that sometimes. It's like, well, this guy's got a lot. Of, oh, he leads his company, or you know, but nobody likes him. Well, in our environment, playing well with others and being able to, um, you know, agree, but without being, you know, or disagree without being super disagreeable. To walk out arm in arm with others after mm-hmm. a meeting if you didn't get your way. Mm-hmm. Those things really matter, and they they impact the the effectiveness of the church. So chemistry, like, can they get along with a team or do they think, you know, a person who thinks they're, I'm God's gift to this church. And, and, and if I think that I'm probably going to think that my opinion is more important than six other people sitting around the table. And that's, that's toxic and dangerous. So chemistry matters, you know, competency, you know, the, the basic C's, you know, that do they have some kind of skill that they bring to the team? And we kind of look at that. Like we don't want all numbers guys. We don't want all visionary dreamers. We want, Mm -hmm. we want somebody who's going to count some beans, but we want someone who's going to kind of dream and push us. And so what, what skills do they bring? We're looking for commitment. Like, you know, do they just cut them and they bleed the DNA of the church? Uh, They demonstrated that we're looking for stewardship and contribution. you know, if they're not tithing and going beyond that, they shouldn't be an elder of a church. Or... Mm. So we look at these mm. things, you know, the Christ-centered home, you know, not not yeah. to where we fail to recognize, you know, that, you know, children make some of their own decisions, but, but have they shown some strength and spiritual mm. guidance in their own home? These are things that scripture, I think, boils down to when you get to those lists, Rich, and... Um, so we look at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in our case, I think the mistake that I see some make sometimes, Rich, is they'll look at somebody and they'll think, man, this guy's got so much potential. I wonder, I think if we made him an elder, I think it would really bring him along. And so for <laughs> yeah, us, we're good. definitely saying, you know, this is sort of part of a leadership pipeline. And mm-hmm. um you don't want to skip a step like someone who's just entry level or, or beginning on this journey. So we want to, they've already serving, they're already demonstrating leadership. They've already, you know, demonstrate. So those are some of the things off the top of my head that, that occurred. Yeah. What, why don't we jump into that next? This idea of, of how do you develop elders and you know, where, where are you? So I, I think that's a really good overview, but then how, what are you doing to try to step people towards this? You know, you have a unique challenge in a church, your size, um, where, you know, they're, they're, uh, the, the functions and pressures that you would face at your size are pretty significant. And so they're not the kind of p- 
people you can just randomly pick out of a hat. <laughs> you know, you want to make sure that you've done some development. So what, what does that look like for you? What would be some advice you'd give to, to people who are listening in today? Yeah, I, I think sometimes this is so critical in it because I think it's like, you know, it rolls around and we're like, oh, two guys just said they they're going to retire or spend more time with the grandkids or they roll off. And then you're looking at, oh, no, bylaws says we need two more guys. And now you're kind of you know, you're digging, you're, you're grabbing from the bottom of the barrel. So there's right. got to be some kind of process that, that runs year round that someone is owning where you're developing. And this is really a larger issue than just with elders. Obviously it has to do with, with a leadership pipeline mentality, like is our church raising up and pushing people to the highest level of their capacity and if so, then you're going to be starting with every member and trying to make them, you know, trying to get people to become members and then, and then leaders and then group leaders and leaders of leaders. And elder is just really on that pipeline. So it's kind of part of a broader question. And, and for us, um, I'll tell you a real practical thing. It's sort of the, the best thing I ever accidentally did, Rich, was years ago, we just kind of sensed this need and we... Uh, created something called the leadership development group. And it, it, it was about 12 or 13 years ago. And I just grabbed an elder or two that I thought were, were, would do a good job with this. And I said, let's go handpick some people. We didn't have a leadership pipeline at that point. We just had, you know, we saw some people that had a lot of potential. They were leading stuff. We thought, who knows? We think in the back of our mind, this might even be like an elder training ground, but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, call it a farm team or anything. But but we were thinking it and we just sent him an email and said, hey, we see something in you. You know, you're you're you have a lot of capacity and leadership. Would you be willing to enter into like a 13 week time to hang out with me, the lead minister and 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 a couple of elders? And we just want to talk about leadership and get better and study some stuff together. I'll tell you, when you get an invitation like that, it's amazing how many busy people and, you know, people who who have no time will rise up to that and say, wow, they, you know, oh, they see something in me. So so we've handpicked that uh, that group now and that has grown and grown. And now we've got a little booklet and quite a curriculum developed and it has become quite a deal. So last year we ran 20 people through it. 13, 14 weeks. You know, we start out with, you know, take a disc test and strengths finder and Enneagram stuff. And then we work through, you know, we read a bunch of stuff on leadership and it kind of starts with who you are as a leader, holiness, you know, humility, character. And then we uh, then we go into more skill oriented stuff like how do you build a team? What how do you cast vision? Um, you know, what what are some aspects of leadership about change and all of that? And and they're doing it together. They're memorizing scripture. We're doing spiritual disciplines and fasting together. And then we meet with the elders and pull back the curtain and kind of just talk frankly about what what that's like. And um, I tell you what, uh, well, right now, every one of our elders has come through that group over the last 13, 14 years. I never dreamed when we started it, it would be so pivotal, but it's like, and now all of our staff are like, hey, I got someone. I think it'd be great for your group. It kind of kind of flies mm-hmm. a little bit under the radar. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's um, it's not, you know, on on the front page of the website by any stretch, but it has become <laughs> it has become um, something that's really, really important. And it gives you a chance just to hang out and you you get to see the heart. You serve together. You, you get to figure out where someone is. And that's become a great little sort of fishing pool for us for elders. 
Yeah, I love that. I think so. First of all, listeners that are, that are listening in, um, that's a very replicatable, scalable solution that we've just talked about there. Hey, just defining out, um, you know, this the you know a shorter term kind of commitment, but really trying to dive deep and push in on some leaders. Love that. I, I'm sure that that has been a pool not just for elders, but for other kind of leadership roles within the church. What would be some of the areas that the, those folks ended up landing into, or maybe they're already leading in an area that you've seen some acceleration in their leadership or connection or engagement because of being engaged with that group? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you wouldn't get invited in if you're not leading at a fairly high level. It's like someone in welcome is like, dang, man, I, 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 this, this guy, or, you know, we, we both, this is for us in our setting is men and women. And, you know, she, she's just been killing it. She, she just does everything we do. So, so she might get invited in, but then inevitably it does catapult them, whatever area it is, whether students. And we, we really want to represent every area of ministry. Well, we've got elders today that got their start in kids ministry in the nursery. And, you know, so, so we really believe that as long as someone's serving and they've got some leadership capacity, we want to, we want to give them the opportunity in the group, but inevitably they'll say through They'll just say, this just caused me to think about my whole life differently. And I'm using this, I'm using this stuff at work. I'm using this stuff in my home and, and they inevitably come back and there's just a special way they look about the, their, the vision of the church and the ownership that they have at a heart level, wherever they end up landing. And it's virtually every ministry of the church gets a benefit out of that. Yeah, that's amazing. Love that. Well, on the elder issue specifically, let's go back to um, what your kind of meeting rhythm is is looking like. I know, and then, you know, that could be kind of any individual meeting, but then throughout an entire year, what, what is that looking like for your church? And what kind of advice would you give us when we're thinking about um you know, how often we should meet that sort of thing. Sure. Well, I will tell you, you know, I, as I say, I kind of I, I compare notes with a lot of different pastors and I kind of think what I'm about to describe for you might be a little top heavy on schedule. And I, I will tell you, it's because we invest. I, I feel like I invest maybe more in this than some guys that it may be particularly churches mm-hmm. our size. But I just mm-hmm. I just think it it's working and it's valuable and it feels right. So for us, what that looks like is um, let me can I just back up and say one thing? We have a we have a deal Absolutely. we have a deal where we kind of talk about how the two winged bird will fly. And if I had a whiteboard in front of you, Rich, I'd be drawing a really ugly bird with two wings, you know, a body and then two wings flapping out. And the one wing of the bird for our elder team, we call the personal wing. And that's just a way of saying, look, um, this isn't your small group where you're supposed to come here to get spiritually fed. We need you to personally have a real relationship with Jesus and bring that to this, like to be a person who's in tune with Christ so that we can all, you can have a depth and a perspective. And if you're listening to the spirit and you're listening to spirit and I'm listening to spirit, we're going to be able to, to kind of come into and make decisions together. So there's a personal wing. And then the other wing is the relational wing. And that's the one that just says, we need to be like for real, like in each other's lives and a team here that cares about each other, knows each other. Like, I know what's going on in your life. I know if your kid's going AWOL right now with the faith, or I know, you know, what's happening with your business so that we can lead better as a team. Like, I think teams that are relationally connected um, lead better overall. And that's how I'm wired. And so this isn't a board. This is, we want to be a band of brothers. And um, so the body of the bird is the mission of the church. And we believe when both of those wings flap well, like the personal wing, like elders 
are really like taking their walk with Christ seriously and relational when we're really taking our relationship with one another seriously, man, it's amazing how well we can lead the church and function together. So that's how we structure our meetings to kind of like, how can we nurture both those wings and keep the mission moving forward? So for us, just practical nuts and bolts. We have a business meeting once a month. We call it business mm-hmm. meeting. We're, we're looking at high level metrics. We're, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, looking at red, green, yellow on some key things. And we're always tweaking and changing that. Like, what do we want to see? Is it too much? Is it too little? But executive pastors preparing a package of stuff that goes out ahead of time. And they're able to kind of look and, and do their due diligence of saying, What's really happening at the high level of our church? Are we are we trending well? What do we need to talk about? Prior to that meeting on a Thursday morning, uh, we have an executive team, which is a chair and a vice chair and a and a secretary. And I, the four of us, meet on the phone at seven a.m. and we just set the agenda for the following Tuesday. And and mm-hmm. so we start with you know uh, right now we're just like everyone's kind of starting with a devotion about their life verse. And we're going to have, we're going to touch base on finance. We're going to touch base on metrics. We're going to touch base on what's happening with our, our next campus. And it's high level, it's vision. Mm -hmm. There's time for, um, Mm -hmm. you know, executive pastor report is a written thing. We don't spend a lot of time talking about it. There's a ton of information and stories, uh, soft metrics, hard metrics about every ministry of the church. And then, and then I have a written report and and, and a chance to just kind of speak from my heart about, big stuff that's going on or, or what we're into. And, and um, so that's what our, our business meeting looks like. We, we have a pattern of kind of stop and pray. Every time we talk about something, we stop, we pray about it in the moment instead of kind of like, you know, getting tired at nine thirty at night. Yeah. Attack on a prayer at the end. It's been better for us to, to pray as we go. Let's just stop and pray about that, that need right then. So um, yeah, so that's, that's the business meeting. And then we also have a, what we call a study meeting, also once a month. So for us, that rhythm is Tuesday night. So two Tuesday nights a month, these guys are given uh, to meeting. And and the study meeting is, uh, we're reading James Emery White, uh, Generation Gen Z right now. And we just talked about that last Tuesday night. And just, um, you know, whatever whatever we want to uh, kind of talk about that. We spend more time in prayer and relationships. We'll do it in a home over a meal and talk about non-business stuff. Could be the life of the church or whatever. The other big thing for us is kind of some annual rhythms with retreats that have just turned out to be so mm-hmm. defining for our culture. Just getting away. It's so hard to plan it with these you know, guys that are busy and working. But, man, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, the dividends are huge. I would say to anybody listening, if, you, if you're not doing a rhythm of off-site with your elders, and in our case, we do spouses um, once a year, man, I'll tell you, it's humongous. Mm-hmm. So we use it for... Um, several things, building our team camaraderie, but also when we're getting ready to kind of step out in a new direction or we're wanting to tackle a new challenge, say we're going to really go like this last one we just had in October, we went to a house in Tennessee uh, on a lake and um, we just dove deep. We had read some stuff ahead of time, dove deep on digital and the technological revolution and how we're going to embrace that in the coming years. Mm. We've had retreats on microsite. We've had retreat when we first went multi-site years ago in 2009, we had retreat on it, brought Tom Berlin in. We, we've had with Mark DeMoz came in. We talked about racial, ethnic and uh, unity stuff. We, we, we've done LGBTQ, you know, so we've had a silence and solitude retreat, but mm-hmm. those things become defining sort of 
moments and the, inevitably, you know, the, the silliness and the pranks and the goofball stuff, go-kart races and canoe, canoe, uh, canoe rides and all of that stuff becomes the, the fodder that just builds strength and camaraderie out of which you, you function. So those are some of the key things. We do other stuff, you know, with our Christmas party and, you know, traditions that we have that way. But mm-hmm. I think those are some of the main things that kind of form the rhythm for, for us. All right. That's great. Super helpful for sure. Um, I just want to drill one layer deep a little bit on that. So I think a lot of us would say, hey, I want to develop better relationships. You know, you, you flag this idea of being a band of brothers and you kind of addressed some of that within the retreat things. Is there anything else that you kind of would push us on to be thinking about, um, you know, when it comes to uh, really helping develop this group of people, you know, really to beyond just like, hey, we're getting task done to actually, this is like a group that's journeying together. What are the things have you done that's been particularly helpful on that front? Yeah. Well, Rich, you know, I'll I'll probably be misunderstood by someone in what I'm about to say, (laughs) but I would say one of the main things is guard the gate. Um, in the same way that you would build a staff team and you've heard it said, you know, you want to build a team. So when you drive in in the morning, you see their car in the lot, you're not like, oh, crud. Uh, you're, you're like, I, 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 you know, that's cool. I'm looking forward to hanging out with him or her. And, and I think the same that when I say chemistry for us, that's a big deal. We got to be able to, to know we're going to be able to disagree and still be friends and 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 enjoy each other's company enough that we're going to want to spend enough time the moment we subconsciously start dreading these meetings i think we're really not doing right. going to be able to lead well with vision so i would say guard the gate so that speaks to a process of how do you invite people in and what kind of onboarding do you have how clear are the expectations up front and like you say you know just like um the more clear you are on that, the better. So, so that's one thing right there. And the other is to help create a culture that validates the relational component. I think even in me, and I'm fairly relationally driven, I still have this high achievement thing. And it just feels like, okay, let's get past the fluff and the soft side. Let's get something done here. And so if we stop and say, before we begin tonight, we're going to take 15 minutes and we're going to kind of, you know, do a simple exercise here to kind of say, where's your tank most full and where are you most empty? Because we think that out of that, we're going to be able to listen to our lives and say, where is Christ at work in my life? Where am I struggling? And share that with one another before we start trying to solve the worst problem. It's just, it's a, it's a greater level of authenticity. You're going to lead better and it's going to, so, but it still doesn't quite seem valid to some personalities or some people from a work environment, you know, the work environment, that's just not, it's not what they're doing, yeah, you know, at, at, at work. And so, yes. uh, but I, I think it's not just a soft side or word church. So we're going to waste some time here, but it, it, this, this is in fact, a lot of data and a lot of research is supporting this now, isn't it? To say this soft side relational stuff is the, is the ball game. In fact, so I think creating an environment that right. validates it and, and then makes time for it, like in our meetings, we're going to we're going to spend some time, um, you know. We're going to on the retreat. It's legit, you know. We just did a zip line together, okay. Right. Well, you know what? You don't think that yeah. has a translation to us taking a flyer with our next campus? It does, you know. They're like, you know, you know, it does. And we did it together, and it just brings us. So I would say some of those things might be key in in just. Um, you don't have to be a relational, you know, gifted guru as a pastor to do it. I think you just have to commit to these principles and. 
I've seen that happen with some guys that are like, man, I, I'm, I'm awkward around this, but you know what? We just pray together and that's our, that's, we can kind of hide behind, you know, mm-hmm. our, our, our personality fears in that moment, but I'm praying for you now. And that draws us together in a way that nothing else could. So there are ways to do it. And, you know, honestly, you know, I just, I think of that scripture, man, you, you know, it's Paul. He spent some time in Ephesus, right? With the elders of the church there. And then in Acts 20, mm-hmm. it says he's going to be coming by Miletus. And somehow he gets word over to the elders over there and says, you know, hey, I'm going to be coming by. I don't even know. I think it was like 70 miles for them to walk. But it's like, hey, if you want to say, hey, I'll be there. And they walk. These guys that did ministry mm-hmm. with Paul love him so mm-hmm. much. They walk, you know, however far that is. Like, I forgot my geography, but I th- it's, it's a ways. Mm-hmm. They meet him there. And what do they do? You remember that scripture? They're like hugging down his neck and they're crying and kissing him. Why? Because mm-hmm. he says, I, we all were afraid we might not ever see each other again. And I'm just like, I don't know any minister that doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't kill to have that kind of relationship with their elders that would take a bullet for him that would walk through the night to say, Hey, because we were in the trenches together. And I don't know, eldership, you know, elders want that as well. They want to belong to something important, not just mission wise, but relationally. So it's worth fighting for and aiming for that X 20 target for sure. Yeah. It's very cool. Uh, it c- kind of changing, pivoting a little bit. Uh, you and I have been in ministry long enough to know, you know, we we've seen, our friends, we see other ministries that we know at a distance where, you know, things have blown up and uh, they, they unfortunately, a lot of times come down to a breakdown in some of the fiduciary responsibility at this level where we're maybe not providing the oversight that we should have uh, as an elder board to uh, senior leadership. But what would your advice be to some elders that are listening in on a couple fronts? One would be, um, you know, what uh, would you suggest is kind of a healthy way that church elders can be giving um, good, responsible, um, healthy um, support and guardrails, frankly, to senior leaders? And then are there telltale signs that you would say as a church leader to elders to say, hey, if your pastor is doing this, they may be trying to skirt your authority and you may want to uh, you know, flag that. Um, so t- talk to us from that perspective. That's kind of the um, the underbelly of this conversation, but what advice would you give yeah. to uh, some elders that are listening in today? Well, man, Rich, you just gave some gold advice and everything you said and you set up with that question. And I, I think we're tracking really well. I just think what you said is so important. I would say to elders, what you do really does matter. And, you know, you know, you see the gross examples, uh, you know, in the news and whatnot, where, where elders did kind of abdicate some responsibility. And the tricky thing here, Rich, isn't it, that nothing works if there isn't trust. There has to be trust. You can't have this sort of I don't trust you as far as I can throw you a mentality where we're always just kind of having a check and balance system, some sort of governmental, you know, deadlock that that is not going to work. But trust, um, you know, the old trust, but verify the old trust, but protect the church by by not just granting so much freedom. You know, when you've got those instincts that 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 say, I just want to control this and get in there and, and, and do this myself, that's probably not healthy. But when you have an instinct that says, I, I just, I worry about protecting the church. I feel like we need to kind of be a little more involved here. Those things often are healthy. And so I would say a minister that's constantly trying to, to sort of back elders off completely out of the picture, 
on matters of just information. Now, it's one thing, you know, when elders want to get involved in daily operations, they want to strategize. And I think I think we've come a long way, haven't we, Rich, over the years where we've seen, you know, for healthy teams, we've got to have elders functioning at a higher level. Stay out of the weeds, stay out of the strategy stuff, and the governance models are healthier now. But sometimes we confuse that from having information and being good advisors, and there's a big difference there. So it's one thing to say, hey, elders, stay out of the weeds. You know, it's not your staffing call here. It's not. It's another if they're unsure or unclear about you know major financial decisions or commitments being made, or or I keep hearing a thread here about how staff are being treated. Can we hear more about this from someone right. else? Those things, yeah. you know, th- right. those those little. That's exactly why you're there as a person of wisdom, mm-hmm. character, and it should never be perceived by a by a lead guy as sort of undermining. If, if that if that if that lead pastor is super defensive on how dare you ask that question to me that's a big yellow flag that just says oh wait a second man if we all want the same thing which is to protect this church from anything that's untoward or sideways or not above board then no question you know as long as it's within the boundaries of our governance is going to be unwelcome so i think those are those are the warning signs when you feel a sort of defensiveness um that tells me that you know we're not all understanding here what's okay to ask and what's not and i think a lot of elders kind of live either a they they don't want to be perceived as a micromanager and a you know a bad guy on the governance so they tend to be too quiet or they don't understand the governance and they tend to 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 pipe in on every single opinion they ever have. And it's on strategy stuff and it's on stuff that really they don't maybe know so well as what. And so then we get into a pattern where it's like, don't listen to them. They're out of bounds. And, and then if they do bring a legitimate concern about one of these fiduciary or really deep character issues, it just gets written off as you know, you're not being spiritual or you're out of bounds because you're not doing the governance thing right. So I think drawing that line between, um, you know, the healthy governance, like what what are the lanes for elders and staff to stay in? And that does ne- that should never include like making it um, inappropriate for an elder to ask questions or a team to sort of push into um, questions about, you know, um, integrity, finances, um, you know, big picture vision and direction, because those are exactly the allies and the assets that the, that the minister wants in that moment. So you mentioned guardrails. That's, that's huge, you know, and I think, I think we're so afraid that elders are going to put up speed bumps, you know, like stop and ask permission, like you can't go anywhere that, but, but, but elders, your job is to put guardrails up. Like those are things that keep us from crashing and going off the cliff. And so those guardrails are those policies and procedures and boundaries and common sense stuff that just keeps an eye on things and says, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. And if you smell something funky, engage, find out about it and uh, press in. I think there's a lot of churches that have kind of imploded that you've got some elders that would probably get on this, you know, this call right now and say, man, I wish maybe, um, we, we, we were trying to give the sort of benefit of the doubt. And in the process, we might've abdicated some of our responsibility. And um, mm-hmm. there's a balance there between that and trying to just hyper control and hold things back and getting cautious and fearful. You got to trust. And if you can't trust the guy you've got, here's what I would say, get someone in there. You can. 
or you or or if you've got a trust mm-hmm. issue, get out of the way because you got to move at the speed of the Holy Spirit, and and that's gonna that only works when you've got a high level of trust between your lead guy and your elder team. Mm-hmm. So if you if you don't if you don't trust them, get them out of there, or you get out yeah, of there, yeah, totally. uh, one way or the other. Yeah, that's good, and I know uh, you know leaders know this, but. You know, I would say any elder uh, that would come to me and and frame the question in a like, hey, help me understand this thing that's going on at the church. Um, you know, if it's repeatedly all the time, there might be an issue, but, you know, you should feel the freedom to be able to do that, to be like, hey, you know, pastor, I just don't understand this thing I see happening. Help me understand this. Or, you know, I don't understand why we're investing, you know, these resources. resources. Help me understand that. Um you know, if if your senior leadership is pushing back on that question, um, I would I'd flag that that could be a you know a bigger issue because at the end of the day, you know we know that uh, we want to ensure that our elders are well informed that they're um, they have clarity on exactly what's happening at the church, um, and you know and that is really their responsibility to seek those out. This has been a very rich conversation today. I am so thankful for this. I really appreciate you jumping in and helping, uh, Ben. If there are if people want to track with you or with the church, how can they do that? And do you have any kind of final comments as we uh, wrap up today's episode? Um, sure, you can. Follow. We're Mountain Christian Church. We're out near Baltimore, Maryland. Our website's easy, mountaincc.org. I've got a blog, outofmymind.cc. And, uh, you know, I'm all over social, Insta, whatever. And um, uh, if people want to follow, that's great. Um, and you know what? This is worth it. The, the, the struggle is worth it. You want highly engaged elders. You want highly engaged uh, um, staff. And sometimes it's easier to kind of just tilt one way or the other. So if you're struggling with that right now, like I would just say, hey, the struggle is worth it because at the end of the day, when you've got a team that is aligned around vision and you can stand with integrity and say the elders and I have this dream or the elders are behind this, that means so much. And it's biblical, it's practical and it's effective mission. So I'd say Hang in there, work at it, find one thing you can do to push it forward and and do it. Ben, I appreciate you being on the show today. Hey, Rich, thanks a lot. It's been great, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.